Good evening. Welcome to Wednesday evening chapel. I, I have a question that I want to ask you. Question is this. When is a root a reason to hope? When is a root a reason to hope? That's where we're headed. This is the second of our Advent services. We are uh, celebrating Christ's first coming and his coming again, yes? Uh, we use candles and colors and ceremony to uh, remind us that he came once, uh, that he's coming again, but really the ultimate way that we celebrate those comings is how we live our lives. Uh, last week we lit the first candle. It was a reminder that because he came and because he's coming again, we should live for the Lord. All in favor say aye. Aye. Okay, good. Second, second candle this week. We're going to light it because it will help us live and remember that because he came once, he's coming again, and we can have hope in him. Amen? Amen. We're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to sing more verses to O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, than you knew existed. We're going to take some time looking through Scripture, and so you'll need... You'll need one of the Bibles that's close by you. And then we're going to talk a little in between. Find the Bible that's near you and turn to Matthew chapter 3. Matthew 3, 1 through 12. Now in those days, John the Baptist came, preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is the one referred to by Isaiah the prophet when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Make ready the way of the Lord, make his path straight. Now John himself had a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist, and his food was locusts and wild honey. Then Jerusalem was going out to him and all Judea and all the district around the Jordan. And they were being baptized by him in the Jordan River as they confessed their sins. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees coming for baptism, he said to them, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Therefore bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not suppose that you can say to yourselves, We have Abraham for our father. For I say to you that from these stones God is able to raise up children to Abraham. The axe is already laid at the root of the trees. Therefore, every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. As for me, I baptize you with water for repentance. But he who is coming after me is mightier than I, and I am not fit to remove his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clear his threshing floor, and he will gather his wheat into the barn but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. Well, tidings of comfort and joy. 
when I was putting the service together, I, I went looking again to make sure that this passage was supposed to be here. Not quite the image of Christmas trees and candlelight, is it? Now, now imagine if this was the basis for the kinds of ways that we celebrate Christmas. You could find a, maybe a Christmas card with an axe on the front of it. Or maybe, maybe some inflatable lawn decoration that looks like John the Baptist. Or maybe some gifts of locusts and wild honey to all of the favorite people on your list. But this is the gospel lesson for the second service of Advent. The passage is intentional. It helps us understand that our hope is in the Lord. If we listen a little more closely to the text, uh, we're going to hear the hearts of the people who first heard John's words. Remember what their situation was like? Not much to write home about. They were living under the iron rule of the Roman Empire. Their religious leaders were known as vipers, not dodge vipers, snake vipers. Their spiritual advisors... They were known for their bad fruit, not their good fruit. In fact, their society and their culture was so clogged with refuse and leftovers that it really just needed a good cleaning, a good sweeping. The people in the place were a mess. They had to be wondering, oh, will our situation ever change? What kind of hope can we have? Who's going to get us out of this mess? Well, John the Baptist shows up and his preaching answered all of their questions and it, and it answered them loud and clear. He said, get ready. You haven't been forgotten. Somebody's on the way. He is going to rearrange your hearts. He is going to rearrange your lives. He's going to rearrange your world because when he arrives, he's going to clean house. Well, who's the he? Actually, that's a rhetorical question because I already know that you know the answer, but just let me answer this, ask this rhetorically. If you look at the passage, John doesn't tell us. A little reference to Isaiah and about the Lord coming, but, but the house cleaner isn't named. He is named elsewhere, though, the root Another one of those things that you don't see on Christmas cards very often. So, answer to the question that I asked you at the beginning, when is a root a reason for hope? Well, when the root is sent by God to clean house. Two more verses of O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. The New Testament lesson is found in Romans chapter 15. Grab your Bible and... Hear the reading, Zoe. Romans fifteen, four through thirteen. Such things were written in the scripture long ago to teach us. They give us hope and encouragement as we wait patiently for God's promises. 
May God who gives this patience and encouragement help you live in complete harmony with each other, each with the attitude of Christ Jesus towards one another. Then all of you can join together with one voice, giving praise and glory to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So accept each other just as Christ has accepted you, then God will be glorified. Remember that Christ came as a servant to the Jews to show that God is true to the promise he made to their ancestors. And he came so that the Gentiles might also give glory to God for his mercies to them. That is what the psalmist meant when he wrote, I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing praises to your name. And in another place it is written, Rejoice, O you Gentiles, along with his people, the Jews. And yet again, Praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Praise him, all you people of the earth. And the prophet Isaiah said, The heir to David's throne will come, and he will rule over the Gentiles. They will place their hopes on him. So I pray that God, who gives you hope, will keep you happy and full of peace as you believe in him. May you overflow with hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. So about 25 or 30 years after the death and resurrection of Christ, Paul writes this letter to some folks in Rome. I want you to listen again for the reasons why he had to write to them. He prays for them to be encouraged, for them to have endurance, for them to have unity, and then he adds this little teaching line, which was typical of Paul. He couldn't just get by with a prayer. He had to add this little zinger in here, too. He admonishes them that they just need to get along with each other. Huh. Again, I had to check twice to make sure that this passage belonged in the second Advent service, but it does. It's not very Christmassy. In fact, I was trying to think, okay, so how do, you, how do you take a passage like this and turn this into a Christmas card? It might read something like this. From Paul to the church at Rome, at this time of year, it's good to remember, hang in there, have courage, be nice to each member. All right. So I won't make my living writing cards. But consider their situation. The believers in first century Rome are living in hostile territory. They are a small minority of the population. They are a small clique of folks who are understood, misunderstood and not trusted by most. They are suspected of being guilty of any number of crimes. Cannibalism, sedition, treason, the list goes on. And their community itself is diverse, and so they've got this external pressure, but they also have this internal pressure because there are Jews and Gentiles of all kinds trying to pursue their faith in God together. And if we can read into or listen to what Paul has to say here, they are being blocked by their differences and their preferences. It's getting in the way of the faith. So when he writes to them, he reminds them, first of all, that the way things are, are not the way they'll always be. And then he reminds them that the promises of the scriptures of the past apply to their present and their future. 
And then he says that the God of the Jews is on the side of the Gentiles, too. I'm looking around the room, that's probably a good thing, huh? God is so much so, much so that God has raised up a root, a root to reign over the nations. And then when Paul finishes all of that, then he does use some Christmas kind of words when he prays that the Christians in Rome be filled with joy and peace, so much so that they overflow with hope. The situation hasn't changed, but right where they are, overflow with hope. So, so when is a root a reason to hope? When he's been raised up by the God of hope to rule the world. Next two verses of O Come. The Old Testament lesson is found in the book of Isaiah, chapter 11. Ray, if you'll come. Isaiah, chapter 11. Follow along as he reads. Reading from Isaiah, chapter 11, verses 1 through 10. A shoot shall come out from the stump of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest on him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. His delight shall be in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by what his eye sees, or decides by what his ears hears, but what righteousness he shall judge the poor, and decides with equity for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth, and with the breath of his lips he shall kill the wicked. Righteousness shall be the belt around his waist, the faithfulness the belt around his loins, the wolf shall live with the lamb, the leopard shall lie down with the kid, the calf and the lion and the fatling together, and the little child shall lead them, the cow and the bear shall graze, the young shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox, the nursing child shall play over the hole of the asp, and the winged child shall put his hand on the adder's den. They will not hurt or destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be full of the knowledge of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. On that day, the root of Jesse shall stand as a signal to the peoples. The nations shall inquire of him, and his dwelling shall be glorious. I was on my way home Monday after class and headed out to the car, opened the door and made me face this way and I was able to see a shooting star come down and head, head empty into the eastern horizon. I found myself following this train of thought. The first thing that came to my mind was, I wonder what folks long ago thought when they saw things like that had to be just amazed. Next thing that came to mind, well, it's just a meteorite or some kind of space junk or something. It's just re-entering the 
past patent the spear, no big deal. And then I realized what I'd, what I'd just done. I, I had moved from the unusual to the explainable. When both of those are true, but it was still wonderful. In fact, it's so wonderful that I hung around a couple more minutes to see if I could see some more, but uh, the end of the show. I think it's possible for us to treat a passage like this passage in Isaiah the way that I treated that shooting star. I mean, I wonder what those folks thought the first time they heard this oracle from God's prophet. What did they have in mind? What did they picture? What did they think? Well, and then the reality is is that it, it is just a prophecy, right? And we all know how it turns out, right? All in favor, say aye. Okay, so really, it's no big deal. We know it came true. It's unusual. It's explainable. But it's still wonderful. It's still wonderful. Again, I think we have to listen closely to the to hear the hearts of the people who were living now some 500 years before the time of Christ. People who were living under the imminent threat of the king of Assyria. People who were living in a nation that didn't quite turn out like they thought it would when they conquered the promised land. And Israel and Judah is a mess. Well, Judah is a mess about, about, right about now, aren't they? Aren't they? I'm not trying to talk you into it. They are. <laughs> so into this situation, Isaiah promises this. He promises the spirit of wisdom and understanding. Which means they're probably experiencing what? I could tell you, but I think I want you to tell me. If he promises them the spirit of wisdom and understanding, what are they experiencing? Doubt? Okay, what else? Ignorance? Confusion? What else? Say again. It's despair. If he promises them the, the spirit of counsel and power, then what are they going through? Weakness. Say again. Powerlessness and helplessness. If he promises them the spirit of knowledge and the spirit of the fear of the Lord, then what are they dealing with? Indifference. Say again. Okay, lack of respect. Ignorance. Isaiah promises someone who is not going to judge with his eyes or decide with his ears. And so, how have the folks been treated? Pardon me? As they received. Oppressed? Say again. Prejudiced? Anger? And again? 
judging a book by its color. Israel, or excuse me, Isaiah promises somebody who judges the needy and the poor with righteousness and judgment, justice. So how are the needy and the poor being treated? Poor, what else? Unjustly. Taking advantage. Isaiah promises that natural enemies will be at peace with each other so what's going on in the, in the life of those folks? War and? Okay, and? And who's the one who will make it all possible? All of that that we just described. Well, it's the root. It's the root of Jesse. And I want to ask one other rhetorical question, but I don't mind if you answer. And so who is this Jesse? No, no, no. Who is this Jesse? He's the father of David. And who's David? Well, he was the king of Israel. And David was the king of Solomon. And he, the father of Solomon, and he was the father of Rehoboam, and he was the father of Abijah, and Abijah was the father of Asa, and Asa was the father of Jehoshaphat, and Jehoshaphat the father of Jehoram, and Jehoram the father of Uzziah, and Uzziah the father of Jotham, and Jotham the father of Ahaz, and Ahaz the father of Hezekiah, and Hezekiah the father of Manasseh, and Manasseh the father of Ammon, and Ammon the father of Josiah, and Josiah was the father of Jeconiah and his brothers at the time of the exile into Babylon. And after the exile, Jeconiah was the father of Shealtiel, and Shealtiel was the father of Zerubbabel, and Zerubbabel the father of Abu. Abiud, that's Abiud, there. I practiced. Abiud was the father of Eliakim, and Eliakim was the father of Azor, and Azor the father of Zadok, and Zadok the father of Akim, and Akim the father of Eliud, and Eliud the father of Eleazar, and Eleazar the father of Methan, and Methan the father of Jacob, and Jacob was the father of Joseph, who was the husband of who had a baby son named, who was also called the Christ. So when is a root a reason to hope? When he's the root of Jesse. When he is Jesus the Christ. When he's the root who has come to set us free. Two more verses from O Come, O Come. One more passage of scripture. It is the psalm lesson for the second Advent service, Psalm 72. I'd like you to find the Bible, and I want us to read it together. The psalm is a combination of things. It is, first of all, for a prayer. It is, first of all, a prayer for the king, probably Solomon. It is also a prophecy concerning the one that we've been looking at today, the root of Jesse. And it is also a promise. Is it also a promise because it describes what things will be like when the King of Kings comes again? So let's read together the first seven verses. 
Endow the king with your justice, O God, the royal son with your righteousness. He will judge your people in righteousness, your afflicted ones with justice. The mountains will bring prosperity to the people, the hills the fruit of righteousness. He will defend the afflicted among the people and save the children of the needy. He will crush the oppressor. He will endure as long as the sun, as long as the moon, through all generations. He will be like rain falling on a mown field, like showers watering the earth. In his days the righteous will flourish. Prosperity will abound till the moon is no more. Verse 18. Praise be to the Lord God, the God of Israel, who alone does marvelous deeds. Praise be to his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. And I want you to invite the root of Jesse into your world. Jack, come and help us do that. Praise be to the Lord God, the God of Israel, who alone does marvelous deeds. Praise be to his glorious name forever. May the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen? Amen. Amen. Go in his peace.